All right. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, BRB time. That's something that we that we uh, have done when we planted a church in Texas. We it was actually a necessity because the way we had the church set up, we started in a coffee house, and uh, and so we were. I was preaching, and the bathroom was behind me. And so anytime somebody had to go to the restroom, I thought they were coming, you know, to receive Christ or something. So I got all excited, and then it got awkward. And uh, so we just decided, you know what we'll do before I preach? We'll have a break, and we'll call it BRB. It's Be Right Back. And so everybody had the opportunity to go, you know, take care of business, whatever they needed to do. And then we came together, and what we found was that we, we really loved that time together because we got to, and it started, I think, at like four minutes, and then it went to five minutes, and then we moved to seven minutes, and now I think there's somewhere around nine or ten. I don't know. Uh, Helen's uh, mom, her dad and mom helped us plant that church, and her mom was always pushing us, no, let's go ten, let's go fifteen. She wanted to just uh, push push uh, the limits on the BRV time, so uh, we really enjoy that. I hope you guys did too, and that's something we do every week, um, getting to know one another and just having a time to visit and fellowship. Okay, um, so I had a message planned for today, and um, and normally I you know spend hours and hours like working on studying, researching on on a message. And I woke up early this morning, and uh, and there was about five or six scriptures that were on my heart for today. So I got up early and I started um, studying these scriptures. And what I wanted to do is share to you uh, to share with you today what true freedom really is. And I thought since it was a uh, 4th of July and we all have our preconceived notions or our ideas about what uh, freedom is. And today I wanted to tell you guys, well, what does the Bible say true freedom is? How does the Bible describe that? And so uh, luckily for you guys today, it's not going to be a super long sermon. Uh, but, but I think if you'll really concentrate um, and, and, and really listen to what I have to say, I think you might actually learn something pretty cool today in Scripture, okay? Um, if you think about, just posing a question to you guys, what did Moses, Aaron, and the Israelites do to gain their freedom from, from Pharaoh? You guys all know that, that story, right? Uh, the Israelites, the Exodus... Uh, leaving Pharaoh, the plagues, all of that stuff. What did Moses and Aaron and the Israelites actually do to secure their freedom from Pharaoh and from that oppressive uh, ruler in their day? Well, they basically did absolutely nothing, right? And think about this. Um, God did everything. God used Moses and God used Aaron as a mouthpiece for Moses, and, and they got set free, and in their minds they were free that day because, the, the, of course, the, the death of the firstborn, right? It was, uh, uh, they were in mourning, and there was a great cry that went out of, of uh, Egypt because of their, uh, their mourning for the, the loss of their firstborn. But, but the, the children of Israel were free, and they left. They, took, they left with a lot of treasure, a lot of spoils, if you will, and headed out into the desert, and in their own minds, they were completely and totally free. But, but they came up on the Red Sea. They came upon the shoreline of the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, they hear this clamoring behind them and realize that they are hemmed in, that they've got nowhere to go, and Pharaoh's army is right behind them, and Pharaoh is bent on killing every one of them. Okay? 
just wiping them out. If I if I can't have you, if you're not going to be servants in my kingdom, then I'm just going to wipe you all out. So here they were in this situation that was utterly hopeless. And you can possibly just kind of put yourself in that place, how you might feel in that moment. Maybe you've felt that way in your own own life where you've had nowhere to go and you felt complete and totally completely and totally hopeless. Like you could not see even any light at the end of the tunnel, right? Well, there is this passage in the midst of this thing going on, Exodus 14, 14. And I love this, and I'm sure many of you guys have read this many times. But here's what it says. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. One version says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. All right? And I think that... That is an incredible statement that actually is a foretaste of what grace is all about, what true freedom is all about. Because in that moment of celebration, when they thought they were truly free, then the oppression, then the, the, the enemy comes in to destroy them once again. And this proclamation from God saying, the Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. Okay? And that word, be still, or that word silent in Hebrew is taharisun, taharisun. It's, it's a, a really interesting word when you study it because it actually seems to be conflicting, like it, like it, it doesn't make sense because it mean, almost means two different things that contradict one another. And here's what it means. It means to cut or to plow or to plot land, like with, with a plow, which I brought one of these here today. This is, uh, this is a buddy of mine's, and I use this this year out in the garden, like to till the ground, right, to cut the... That's what, that's what this is talking about. It cuts the ground, and, it, and, and you use this, you plow. And so it's using this word in that context, that the Lord will fight for you, but you need only be still. But the confusing thing about it, she's, now she just gets to hold it the whole time. Um, thanks, sweetie. Um, so, but what it's, what's contradictory about it is when we think be silent or be still, a picture of plowing a field does not come in our head, does it? All right, so there's an explanation for this. It also means, again, to be silent, to be still, to be kept, to hold your peace, or to be at complete rest. Now, what in the world could this mean for the believer? What in the world could this mean uh, in that moment uh, when they were so basically terrified that their life was about to end and God said, you need only be still, all right? Well, here's what it really means. Um, it depends when you're trying to understand this if you are the one holding the plow or you are the seed being planted in the ground. So I brought these these seeds too. I've had a little bit of a experience this year out in the garden. Had to plant things a few times because of that late freeze this year. And uh, there's nothing about a, a seed. Brent's going to have squash growing in his yard. <laughs> there's nothing about a seed, just like the Israelites, that, that has the power to grow that plant, right? I mean, we're talking about a completely agrigorian society. Like, they were all about agriculture. It was all about farming and planting and sowing and all of that. So it's using this terminology to help us understand. This seed does absolutely nothing. It, the miracle happens inside when this seed 
essentially ceases to exist and God plows the ground, tills the ground. He's the one fighting. He's the one tilling. He's the one working. And then the seed gets planted and covered and hidden and we are kept in him. Does that make sense to you guys? So it's almost a dual nature as we're talking about it. You are the seed. And so let me put it to you this way. Um, how many of you guys have watched a movie where the enemy was coming in, they're, they're beating down the, the gates, right? And they're about to come in and, and, and fight everybody in the town. And there's a mom or a dad with a little child and they hide the little child away. And they say, you be quiet. Don't you make a sound and do not come out until I come back and get you. That's the picture here. That you are being hidden away by, your, by a loving father. You're being kept. You are silent. And you don't have to do anything until it's his turn to act. Isn't that cool? All right. So that's what's taking place here. You are hidden away while he fights the enemy. He covers you. He protects you. He keeps you. Uh, you are the seed buried in him, resting in him. You are dormant and you are dead, essentially, because there is no action on your part by which you can save yourself. You understand? All right. So, again, that seed has no power to change anything. It is a miraculous outside force that takes place. And, you know, science can't even truly explain uh, what happens to a seed when it's planted in the ground, how it just, all of a sudden, these seeds can be dormant for years. You can throw them up in your cabinet, and 20 years from now, find them and pull them out and plant one of the seeds, and there you go. It springs forth life. It's incredible. It's a miracle. And that's what this is talking about here. And this is what happened to the Israelites during the Exodus. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Keep silent. Have faith in Him. So when there was absolutely no hope, He parted the water and they walked across on dry land. He destroyed, com just completely and utterly destroyed Pharaoh's army. And of course, they emerged a new nation that still exists today right? With all the treasure, with everything that God promised them. Of course, they had to wander around a little bit, right? And we all know the story. Um, and that was always because they were trying to do things on their own. They were trying to make things happen. Oh, well, that God is not being super convenient for us right now, so we're going to fashion a calf, right, out of gold, and we're going to worship that instead. It was always about convenience and being served and getting what they wanted right away, right? And, it, and so the problems arose when they weren't resting, when they weren't hiding in Him. And that's what He wanted. And that's what He wants from us. Um, true freedom does not take place unless we are hidden in Him. You are going to toil and struggle your whole life as a believer trying to prove yourself by works, by trying to be good enough for God if you do not understand what it means to rest in Him and be still and be hidden in Him. Remember the scripture about, or the song, He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock? Um, you know, he, he, Moses stood in the cleft of the rock and he was covered and he was kept there um, from danger, right? Um, in John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, John 12, 24 and 25, this is Jesus using the same terminology, using the same phrase basically in that society of agriculture. John 12, 24 through 25, and here's what it says. 
Truly, truly, I say to you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. The one who loves his life loses it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. It's talking about him tilling the ground, him doing the work, and us resting in him. And if we choose to die, if we choose to lay ourselves down before him, if we cease to exist, then in us he will do a miraculous work and we will bear fruit in Christ. We will bear the kind of fruit that he wants us to bear and not fruit of our own works. And we all know in scripture that you can bear, do the same exact thing, and it can either be wood, hay, or stubble, basically garbage, worthless. Or if you do it in him, it is uh, precious stones, silver, and gold, right? We see Paul talking about that. So true freedom is resting in him and letting Christ do the work. It's laying down your own life and allowing his life to work through you. And Paul echoed it as well when he said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me, right? He's living through me. I'm dead. I don't exist anymore. And, and we talked about that's what baptism is all about. That's what being a follower of Christ is all about. Who am I to, to, to question God? Who am I to tell him what I want? Lord, I am here for you and you alone. Like, like whatever the cost, whatever you, wherever you take me, whatever I have to do to serve you and glorify you and fulfill your will in my life, I'm up for it. Show me where to go. Tell me what to do. Okay? In uh, Galatians 5.1, Galatians 5.1, it uses, again, this, this, these terms of agriculture. Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he says, It was for freedom, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Did you know that he wants you to be free? That that was the whole reason that he came and died. He came to set you free. He wants you to live free. He wants you to truly understand what freedom is. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And then Paul follows it up with this. Therefore, keep standing firm. And that word standing firm or that phrase standing firm is the Greek word histomy. And it means stationary. It doesn't mean working. It means be still. Okay? So he says, so he says keep being still. Keep hidden in the cleft. Keep uh, resting in him. And then he says, and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Well, what's a yoke used for in that day and time? They'd hook the oxen up to a yoke to plow, right? So it's all connected. That same, that same visual that we have from the word he used in Exodus, he's saying the same thing in this passage. Jesus said something similar. Paul said something similar. That's called harmonizing scripture. When you find things throughout the entirety of God's word that just drives the truth home to you. Um, so the yoke would be a burden on your shoulders. The yoke is a burden. And Paul says that the plow is slavery and that slavery is always one of two things in, in the believer's life. Here are the two ditches that we fall into. It's either sin that we fall into, our old nature, right? The enemy has been fought, the enemy has been defeated, but for whatever reason, there's something in our life that we just can't let go of, so we keep falling back into that same sin again, and sometimes we just flat out choose it, right? And then the second thing that we fall into, the other ditch, is the law, like the idea of having to perform or prove ourselves to be righteous enough and to do it 
on our own. And so basically he's, basically he's saying, why would, once you're free, why would you pick that yoke back up? He's not telling you to do that. Why would you pick it back up and put it back on your shoulders again? Don't do that. Be still and rest in him. The yoke is gone. The burden is gone. It's all on his shoulders. So keep standing firm. Remain still, stationary, resting in him. And don't ever go back to that old way of living again. And don't all ever fall into the pharisaical way of, of looking at, at um, following God either, which is living by the letter of the law and feeling you have to prove yourself. Those are both, uh, they both lead to death. They are both a burden and they both lead to death. Um, just saying that seems easy, right? But it's hard to let those things go. We have that sin nature that wants to claw at us and drag us back down to the grave constantly. And then, and then some of us, we get to a certain point in our walk with the Lord and, and we get hoity-toity and holier than thou and we think that we can prove our righteousness um, by our by our good works and and then we start to lean on kind of the accolades and, and the way other people see us and how spiritual we look and, and it's a trap that you can fall in. It's our nature to always do that on our own. So staying put and being still actually takes a lot of effort. It takes all of your energy uh, to constantly keep yourself in His hand as far as resting reminding yourself to rest in Christ and not to do it on your own. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer makes the statement, make every effort to enter into his rest. So it, again, it seems contradictory, doesn't it? But he's saying all of your energy put towards reminding yourself that you don't have to do anything, that he's already done everything, and you are resting in him, in his amazing grace. That's what's beautiful about grace. Um he actually says that to continue to work to prove yourself is in and of itself disobedience. It's rebellion against him because he set you free and you've picked that yoke up again and you aren't resting in Christ's finished work. And to go back to your sin is also disobedience. You're not resting in Christ's finished work. You're allowing your old nature to have control and he's already set you free from that old nature. And you have the power uh, in walking in the power of the Holy Spirit to not be a slave again to that sin uh, that, that keeps hassling you, you know, wanting to drag you back down. Um, I just find it interesting that he uses that terminology like, you're, like you've been set free. Imagine, you know, slavery and a slave picking up his chains and wrapping them around himself again, right? Like... How ridiculous is that? But yet that's the visual that he uses to tell us, don't do that. Continue resting in him. Just stop it. Stop trying to do it on your own. You need only be still. So uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what it means to truly walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's just all over the map these days, right? I mean, it, it could... It, it's just everywhere. You have no clue what some people believe, or maybe you do, about what it truly means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like some people just float around with their feet three inches off the ground, right? They're so spiritual. That's, that's really not what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we've learned the, over the last few weeks to, that to walk in the power of the Spirit is to be continuously filled by that everlasting fountain of water 
and you're walking in the power and the finished work of Jesus Christ, and because you know you're free, you can live a certain way. You don't have to be burdened down with the world. You don't have to be burdened down with the, the cares of this life, but you can walk in the power of the Spirit of God, and God's Word itself is all the instruction that we'll ever need in order to, to dig into the Word of God. It is sufficient, meaning it has everything that we need. It is, it's the magic bullet. It's the, it's the one magic pill that you can take, and, and it covers all our illnesses. That's the Word of God, okay? And that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. And here's, here's a great way to put it, that when you empty yourself, again, you be still. You empty yourself of yourself, and He will fill you with Himself. That's what it means to walk in the power of the Spirit. Empty yourself of yourself, and He will fill you with Himself. You guys got that? All right. So submission to His finished work is vital. And the key for every believer is counting the cost. Don't build that tower without considering how much it's going to cost. And with the price of lumber, it's going to cost a lot more these days. Um, trusting in Him completely, okay? Not only with my life here on earth, but with my eternity. Like where I'm going to spend forever and ever and ever when I step outside of this, this realm of time into an existence and a reality that is beyond time, where time doesn't exist. I trust Him in that. I know that that's where I will be eternally with Him. As, as the song said, your sons and daughters will dance in the light. We'll all be there together. It'll be a wonderful thing. But the only way we can step from this life into that next life with confidence, truly having confidence, is if we are truly free. And that's what this is all about this morning. We have to be truly free. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I'll say it one more time because I, I get uh, scolded sometimes for not giving the scriptures enough. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I'm going to read this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, here's that, here's that phrase again, let's hold firmly to our confession. Let's rest in Him. In the work he's done. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet he was without sin. So he was our example that it is possible to, to live your life and not be constantly uh, dragged down by your sin. Okay, but he's the mediator. He's the high priest. And then listen what he says. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. You can be confident when you stand before God that you may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of need. So when you stand before God, you will not be able to pull out your personal resume and point at all the cool things that you did in life, right? That will not impress Him, okay? God's Word says, and this is really important to understand, and honestly, right here, this is really important to understand. God's Word says, that you, at your very best, that if you could take the 10 most incredible, awesome things that you ever did in your entire lifetime, from birth to death, and you were to hand those to God, the Bible says they are still equating to filthy rags. Worthless, nasty, dirty, soiled rags and abuse for nothing. Do you understand? So what you do does not matter if it is not in Christ. What you do does not matter if you are not resting in 
Him. So to really understand freedom, you have to look at it like kind of like this Israelite standing on the shores of the Red Sea when they thought they were free and then they realized they're hemmed in and then there's this army coming up behind them. They've got nowhere else to go. And if you pull out your sword and you try to do it on your own, it's certain death. But what did God tell him to do? He says, I will fight for you. You need only to be still. It's kind of the same thing he told Peter, isn't it? In the garden, when when Peter like uh, pulled out his sword and tried to fight, tried to defend Jesus, and what did Jesus do? He healed him. He he healed uh, Malchus's ear, and then Jesus said, "Look, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword." This is a whole different thing we're we're doing here, right? Like the way you think about it, it's this contradictory statement that he will fight for you, that he's plowed, he's done the work, and all you have to do is rest in him. The mighty captain of the army of God, he fought for you. He did everything that had to be done so that you could be free and you could rest. And you can live this life with peace. That no matter what happens to you in your life, moms and dads, no matter what happens to your children, no matter what, these things that that tear us apart, right? When we think about the the trials and tribulations in life and and the hardships that we often go through, if you understand this concept and you're resting in Him, then you will live a completely different life than the rest of the world. We do not grieve as the rest of the world grieves because they have no hope, but we rest in Him. He is our Savior. He is our captain. He is the one who has fought for us and won the battle. And all we have to do is let Him hold us and keep us hidden in Him. John 8, 35 and, and 36 John 8, 35 and 36. This is Jesus again. I'm going to close here in just a couple minutes. John 8, 35 through 36. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave of sin. Now the slave does not remain in the house forever. Okay? And, and what this means is a slave, when you're a slave, the owner can sell you at any point in time. All right? What's the difference between a slave and a son? A slave and a daughter. What's the difference? Well, any good, godly, loving parent is not going to sell their child, right? I mean, that's just ridiculous to even think about. But that's the comparison that Christ is drawing here. He's saying a slave does not remain in the house forever. A slave uh, is could be sold at any time, right? And a slave's burden is a burden of servitude. Like, you're serving this family, you're going to do what we tell you to do, and it's a burden. But Christ is drawing the distinction. And He's saying if you've committed one single sin, you're you're a slave, period. And you're going to have to pay uh, the piper. You're going to have to face up to that sin. Even if it's one tiny little sin, you will stand before God, and as a slave, you are a slave to sin, and therefore the payment of that sin is death, and separation from God and eternity in hell. That's what God's Word teaches. I know that's not super popular to talk about these days, but I'm not trying to be Mr. Popular either. So, um, But then Jesus says, the Son does remain forever. So He draws this distinction and He says, you are no longer slaves. You're not a slave anymore. Jesus dealt with your sin and when you're hidden in Him, now you are adopted. Now you are 
brothers and sisters with Christ Jesus. You have all of the amenities that being a part of the family affords. And that's what, so you can go into any room in the house. You, you're no longer a slave. You are a son and a daughter. What a beautiful imagery that is. So we're adopted into the family as sons and daughters. And then he finishes the passage in this way, defining true freedom for the body of Christ. And he says, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. I've been in the church all my life. I accepted Christ at a tent revival in Casper, Wyoming. I was five years old. I never looked back. I was baptized a year later. I've, I've served the Lord all my life. And you know it's been the last five or six years that I've had a true like identity change when it comes to knowing who I am in Christ and freedom in Christ, being hidden in Him, and know, knowing what it truly means to be completely and totally free. That no matter what happens to me, I'm invincible because I'm hidden in Him. In this life, do your worst, world. Do your worst, devil. I mean, that's why Jesus said, don't fear the ones who can kill the body. Fear the one who can, who can destroy the soul or punish the soul in hell. And that's God the Father. Like, you need to be thinking about eternity. But what it means to be truly free, what it means to be hidden in Him, that is so important for each and every one of us to understand this morning. We're sons and daughters. We're not slaves anymore. So this morning it's my prayer that if there's someone here that's been struggling with those two ditches, right? You just keep getting dragged in that old sin nature and uh, trying to pull you back into that old way of life. You're free from that. You are truly free. And to understand freedom, let me just, let me just say this and I'll close with this right here because this to me was transformative. To understand that every sin, everything I've ever done wrong that offended God and His holiness in the past, everything, everything I will do today, everything I will do tomorrow, God's Word says that Christ died for sin once for all. So when I bowed my knee before Him and I confessed Him as Lord, He wiped all of that away and He did that for you too. So you do not have to live in perpetual guilt and condemnation when you stumble here and there. Now, if you choose a life of rebellion, that's a different story. And Paul covered that too. Do we sin so that grace abounds so much more? Absolutely not. Now, you know you're not supposed to sin once you're a believer. But this saying I love so much, and it, and it really helps me, is um, that I once loved sin and leapt into it, and now I loathe sin and I, um, and I lapse. That's right. So I once uh, loved in sin and I leapt into it. And now I loathe sin and I lapse. I stumble now and again. And that's the way a true believer should view that. But freedom, you guys, true freedom today is understanding that everything you've ever done, everything you'll do today, everything that you'll do tomorrow, it's already been covered and paid for. Right? That doesn't mean we don't go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I just continuously blow it, right? But the approach is different because now that I know that I'm covered, and I shared this with I've shared this with a few folks here. Now when I pray, I say, Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that I'm forgiven. 
thank you that I am free. And if you will start praying that, you'll start really grasping and understanding what it truly means to be free in Christ, to have real freedom. You, and, and you won't so easily fall back into the mindset that you have to do things in order to prove your worth or your righteousness to God. Amen? Amen. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. That was the point. Let's grab a hold of that today. Let's pray. Lord, you have been so good to us and you've gone to great lengths because you love us so. Lord, while there was no worth in us at all, there was nothing we could do lying on the ground like a dormant dead seed. There was absolutely no hope for us. And yet you called us by name. While we were yet sinners, you died for us and you gave us hope. And you gave us a future eternity with you, Lord Jesus. So Lord, today, my prayer for each and every person here today is that they would truly understand what it means to be free in Christ. That that was the whole point. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And so Jesus, we thank you that we are free. May we honor you with our lives in our word and in our deeds, Lord God. In everything we do, may we do it to your, for your glory and for your purposes and your divine will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. So we're going to give us just a couple minutes. Um, and let me just throw this out there. If you've never uh, come to a place in your life where you've, you've accepted Christ, where you, you've died to self and you've given, given yourself to Him completely, come talk to me or talk to someone in your family that you trust and, uh, and let them show you in Scripture. And if they can't show you in Scripture, then come to me and I would be honored to show you in Scripture what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. These, these uh, folks today being baptized, they understand what that means. And so we're going to take a few minutes to kind of prepare and, and get everything ready to go. And then we're going to have this awesome celebration. And all I ask of you guys is that you see it as a celebration. This is an incredible thing. So when they come up out of that water, let's let them know that we're behind them as the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. So give us just a few minutes. You can mill about and grab water, whatever. If you guys have a phone <laughs> and uh, and you want to record this, I would encourage you all to record it uh, just because it'll be something that they can remember. And uh, I had plans to record it, but silly me, I didn't put the memory card in the camera. So, um, But there's like 50 cameras on the premises. So let's just, if you would do that, that'd be great.
So we've got, today we've got, um, I'm going to baptize a few, and then what's really neat is we've got several dads that are going to baptize as well. And we have uh, we have a GoPro on the way, so uh, he's going to grab and set it up real quick. So we can have 4K video. We could actually, I thought about strapping it to Kent's head too, and we could just do an underwater shot. <laughs> talking about that i've heard preachers say you know you just hold them under and uh and uh, they just go straight to jesus they don't have time to backslide or anything so don't worry that's not really building confidence for, for kent right now uh kent I, I had the honor of hearing this this uh, wonderful testimony about kent and he said yesterday yeah i want to be baptized tomorrow and i just think it's an incredible witness now it's important to understand that baptism is not necessary for salvation there's nothing special about this water. It's just plain old H2O. Um, it's not a requirement. What this is, is you recognizing who you are in Christ and you saying to all of the world and to as, as these folks here are witnesses, they are the local body of Christ, and you are saying to them, I am now putting myself under the protection and accountability of the local body of Christ by claiming to be a believer. So everything that comes along with that, Kent, which means, uh, you know, these folks loving on you. And also, if you get out of line in love, your brothers and sisters can come to you as Scripture states and, and say, hey, you know, we love you. And because we love you, this is what uh, we need to talk to you about this, right? So, um, so that's part of all of this. That's what baptism entails. 
You are telling everyone, no matter what the cost, I will follow Jesus. I'm all in, as the, as the trough up there says. Um, you're going all in. And that's why we immerse, because the word baptize means to immerse. Okay, to dunk them all the way in. And, uh, and so that's what this is a symbol of. So, Kent, can you tell everybody here today that there was a time in your life that you accepted Christ as your personal Savior and you have submitted yourself completely and totally to Him? Yes, I did. Many years ago. All right, many years ago. So he's been walking with the Lord for a long, long time. Well, then, because of your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Him in baptism, Plug your nose. Get that arm under there. There we go. <laughs> I, uh, I had to dunk your hand in. It, was, it, was, it wasn't under the water. So I thought he really is going to, he really is trying to push me under. So. He, oh, no. All right, good. Good, good, good. I don't think I brought a towel, but, but I, uh, look, I'll hug every one of you. Come on, Katie. It's actually not too bad. So you're probably going to have to, we may have to get like a, next time we do this, something for them to sit on down there. That might be a little easier, huh? So she's practically baptized right now. I just need a dunker. So. All right, Katie, are you willing to tell all of these folks here today that you are unashamed of being a follower of Jesus Christ? It doesn't matter what, where he calls you to go, what he calls you to do. You are a follower of Christ, yes. and you will do whatever it takes, whatever the cost. All right. Plug your nose there. Then by your profession of faith, my little sister, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, and raised to walk in the life. All right, well, uh, this is my first time baptizing someone, and this is her first time getting baptized, so we're <laughs> probably uh, just as nervous. Is it cold? <laughs> This is my daughter, Charlie. Uh, a few nights ago, we had a long discussion, a long, deep discussion about what it means to live a life for Christ. And Cassie and I had been praying. We've been praying for pretty much her whole life that the Lord will draw her, call her by her name, and, uh, and that Holy Spirit would do work in her life. And she made a decision that she was going to make a public uh, uh decision to to live that life for Christ. So, Charlie, can you say today that you know what it means to be a follower of Christ? And can you say in front of all of these people today that you profess that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life? Well, because Jesus told us to do this. Go ahead and blow your nose. I baptize you by the name the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in Christ to the death, and raised again to walk a brand new life.
everybody, this is Jenna Rose Brayhaw. My daughter, she just turned nine. Jenna, are you ready to tell everyone here that you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Okay. Well, this is a symbolic gesture of being buried with Christ and then risen uh, with Him through faith. Okay? All right. So this is Cole. Cole's uh, turning nine on the ninth. So uh, my son and um, last night, uh, we've been talking for a while, but last night uh, we prayed the prayer of salvation and uh, he wanted to get baptized today. So Cole, can you tell everybody here in the congregation that um, you're going to live for Christ, that no matter whatever comes to you, that you're going to follow him and live for him? Yes. All right. Put your hand up. So I baptize you, my brother, and um, in Christ's likeness of death, buried and risen again. So I just want to say to all of you that we love you, that we're here for you, and uh, the, the local church is unique in that there's nothing else like it. This was, this was the mechanism that Christ established in the world. Like, there, we're plan A, and there is no plan B. That's, I love saying that, that, that we're in. So once you're baptized, you're in. And our, and our goal now, our mission now, is to go and spread the gospel and tell everybody that we can the truth of the Word of God and point them to Jesus Christ. And so you're part of the, the team. We love you guys. We're here for you, and we celebrate you. Let's give them one more round of applause. don't have plans this kind of concludes our worship time together today but if you guys don't have plans this evening six o'clock at six o'clock tonight we're gonna to have food and grub here uh, there's gonna be this is as you can see an excellent vantage point to watch fireworks all over the place and uh, so the tent will still be up we'll have lots of food what else do you need um, and great company and we're just gonna have a great time together the body of Christ watching fireworks celebrating the 4th of July amen, amen. all right so God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. Uh, we'll let you know this next week where, we'll, where we will be next week as far as worship. Uh, so you can like our Facebook page and we'll let you know where we'll be. Thanks so much for coming and celebrating. Hello? Alright, if you guys can still hear me. We are we we're gonna go ahead and have church here next week again. So uh, you know the time and place. It's gonna be ten AM right here on this hilltop next week. 
and we may even do it the next week after that and finish out July uh, that way. And so, uh, but we will keep you updated. So at least for the next two weeks, we'll be right here, okay? Yeah, most, a lot of people yeah, it seems like the other day they were like, oh, I've got to find somebody to preach because everybody. 